This is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working With People by PaveStep. The Working With People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Jolene and Nicole here with us today. How are you both? We're good. How are you? Good, good. It's Thursday. I cannot complain. I'm pretty excited. Um, Any fun plans for the weekend? Uh, just getting to a rainy Saturday, I guess. Gotcha. You're calling him. You're both calling him from uh, Dallas. Is that right? We That's are. Right. We're in Dallas, and looks like we are going to be getting a little bit of rain this weekend. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, today we're going to be talking about salespeople. Something I know both of you are very familiar with, and you know we're going to specifically talk about the when and how organizations can hire the best salespeople, which. I'm sure all organizations, if not most, are always thinking about, you know, uh, time to time there. So before we get there, tell us who you are and what your company does and what you do. Okay, well, I'll start. And then, of course, I want Nicole to introduce herself. Um, first of all, Harrison, it's great to see you again. As you know, I'm a big fan of PaveStep. I been in the people industry for over 25 years. And um, what's exciting about PaveStep to me is it's really, I see it as a great way to retain employees, which is very important to recruiting firms. I started my career at EY working mm. in performance management. Right. Now I'm the founder and president of Rich Results. Um, we're a recruiting firm and we help leaders hire all different kinds of talent aligned to their company culture and values. Um, Our searches are very customized for each client based on their needs, their geography, position, culture. Um, And although we help clients with a variety of different kinds of positions, sales searches makes up about 25% of our business. Um, And one of the reasons for that is the process that we use to do all of our recruiting. You know, we have sort of a one size doesn't fit all approach. Um, so sales searches works really well in our business. Awesome. Nicole. Yeah. Hi, I'm Nicole Stasek and I'm the director of recruiting at Rich Results. Um, I've been with Rich Results for over five years. Um, and prior to that, uh, most of my career was spent in marketing. Hmm. Um, so it's been a fun transition for me over to the recruiting side. And um, I do a lot of um, finance and accounting searches, a lot of marketing searches. And um, over the past couple of months, I have done um, some sales searches um, for a construction company, also for a manufacturing company. Yeah, so this will be fun today talking about uh, the sales searches. Perfect, perfect. So let's start with... um a good salesperson versus a great salesperson. So what are the differences or differentiators between a good salesperson and a great salesperson person that organizations should be aware of? And and does this, you know, definition depend on the nature, size, or stage of the company? Any, Any thoughts there? Definitely. So a great salesperson is going to have a track record of consistently meeting or exceeding their sales goals. So this is something that you should look for on a resume. You should see metrics on their resume 
um, showing their successes and they should be able to talk to this um, in the interview. So one thing that, that you should look for, a salesperson should have really good listening skills. This is something that you can easily assess in an interview. Um, we also see that they're typically very confident, um, very competitive, lots of resilience. So those are important things to look for. They also are gonna have that ability to easily establish rapport. And again, very easy to see all of this in an interview with a salesperson. But things you need to think about are, it definitely does depend on the nature and size of the company because you don't wanna ask them, what revenue did you bring in last year without understanding the size of the business, the sales cycle, the length of the sales cycle. You know, We have clients with a four week sales cycle and then clients with a nine month plus sales cycle. Yeah. And so it's important, you know, if you're nine months plus, these might be huge sales. So maybe they only close two or three in a year, but they might be making, you know, and earning more than the person that's closing three a month. So it's just important to really understand the size of the company they're coming from, what that sales cycle looks like, the, how many sales they're closing, the, you know, the revenue they're bringing in, and then how they're measuring up against their metrics that they were given by, by their management team. Perfect, perfect. And one thing that I've, you know, heard a lot of founders talk about, especially at the really early stages, right, is kind of understanding whether you need uh, a smooth sales person who can close deals or a analyst, really, who can find deals and generate leads in a process consistent manner. Any thoughts on those uh, kind of two aspects? It's, I think a lot of it depends on your organization again you know, the type of, are they generating all of their own leads? Mm. Are there established customers that you're handing over to them? Right. Um, you know, some of our clients, the salesperson's walking in with a book of business already that's being handed to them. And they're mm. asking to, to generate a little bit of new business, but it's really nurturing those existing relationships versus I've had situations where I'm bringing someone in who's expected to create all new relationships. Right. So right. I think that's important to consider. Got it. Yeah. So it really, you know, you can't just look at it from a, hey, I want great salesperson. You got to really think about like what the organization actually needs from an activity perspective. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So what strategies can companies take beyond looking at a resume and having an interview to find the best salesperson? Yeah, it's interesting because I always say that salespeople are the best at interviewing. And so <laughs> it's really important to get beyond um, the resume and also to really think about how you're going to be doing the interview. But one thing that we include in our process is a behavioral assessment, right? And that helps us dig a little deeper into learning about our candidate. Um, and in terms of what Nicole was saying, a com usually um, most salespeople are pretty competitive, right? Well, that's something we can definitely see in a behavioral assessment, how competitive they are, especially compared to maybe others on their team. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the social aspect. I mean, we should be able to see in our behavioral assessment that they're very comfortable in different situations. They're comfortable with change. Um, but in terms of the interviewing, I think it's important with salespeople that 
they really think about the job. So for example, if they're going to be doing presentations, have them come in with a presentation, right? Mm. If they're going to be um, <clears throat> working with, um, if they're going to be in situations where they're going to be with multiple people, include a variety of people from your organization to be part of the interview. Although one note I would say is make sure everyone is on the same page in terms of how you're evaluating the salesperson. Um, sometimes companies will even do a little bit of training, um, interview mm. training um, before they bring in candidates. But for sales candidates, I would say bringing in a few people from the organization is a great way to have a few people evaluate the candidate. And also it gives you a great opportunity to see how the candidate is interacting right. with people from the organization. Right. And I'm sure this becomes even more and more important as it's, you know, the, the, the role is more senior, right. Where, or, or the deals are more complicated or whatever it may be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely more important. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what are some ways to one attract and two, I think just as importantly or more importantly retain the best salespeople at your company? Because, you know, I see this a lot, right. Where, um, and I'm sure you see this way more than I do, where you, you know, the, the, the one thing that people look for, the companies look for is like, I want someone from a competitor or an adjacent company that is going to crush, you know, the, the right. sales quota right away. Right. So they look for their competitors and their, uh, their, their, um, adjacent companies, uh, best salespeople and, you know, best salespeople, uh, get a lot of great offers, right. Based on their historical results. Any, any thoughts on attracting and, you know, retaining those people? Yeah. Well, so it's, it's always attractive for a salesperson to join a company with an established brand. You know, these companies that we all know of and, and we hear about all the time, but newer, smaller companies um, can take advantage of social media to really um, showcase their company and their culture. Mm. Culture is so important right now. I would say most candidates I'm interviewing are more concerned about culture than salary. So really important to people. So when it comes to, um, I'll talk about the attracting first, when it comes to social media, consistency is most important. So you should be active on the platforms where your clients and potential customers are. So, you know, for us, that's mostly LinkedIn. It, it just depends. It might be Facebook. It could be Twitter. So, you know, a smaller company just wants to, you know, be posting on a regular basis things showing off their culture, events that their company is having, just different things that are happening, new executives that they've hired. Um, so because when someone is interviewing, they're going to research the company and see mm -hmm. that social media. So that's gonna be very attractive to them. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting is that, you know, most likely you're going to be hiring a passive candidate. So this is someone that is currently employed. So right. you're going to be asking them to consider a new opportunity. And to do that, it, there's sales involved in that. So you definitely want to be able to, um, to sell the company and to have all that on social media. And now, um, so in terms of retention, as Jolene mentioned, we use that behavioral assessment with all of our candidates. So upfront, clients can really understand strengths and growth opportunities for new hires. And what's great about these assessments is 
it shows you how to best work with and manage people. Mm -hmm. So that really helps with retention because you're working with that person, how they, you know, are going to best respond to management. Um, it's also really critical to have clear metrics and performance management in place for a salesperson. So, you know, for, again, depending on the company, the sales cycle, this is going to look different, but you know what that person from day one, they need to understand what success looks like at say 30, 60, 90 days Mm -hmm. and to be having regular meetings, especially in that first year is so critical for a salesperson. Um, letting them know, you know, what's, what's expected at this point and how they're matching up. And this is a really interesting point around the 30, 60, 90, and kind of making sure that this person is ramping up. I, you know, I think a lot of managers and leaders, and I think I have, you know, sometimes this trouble as well, where you can, you, you, you're trying to balance between, you know, managing them and micromanaging them right right and i think sometimes people are like hey i'm not gonna you know i'm gonna give this person a lot of autonomy and and they kind of hide behind that and and don't give enough guidance enough check-ins enough management Mm -hmm. enough feedback in order for that person to succeed which is not something that they want and that's and i'm sure it goes this kind of the same 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 way for a lot of you know especially junior salespeople that haven't been in the industry for a long time right so right. Um, that's kind of a I, I love the point I, I love the fact that you brought that up in terms of like you gotta make sure that they're you know in in the right path right and you gotta check in with them frequently enough to make sure that they're succeeding. Well, and you want to hire the best person for the job mm-hmm. and then give them the room <laughs> to grow and do the job, but those regular checkpoints to just make sure everyone's on track. Right. Right. And a couple other points I just wanted to add. Uh, Nicole was talking about the social media. A lot of companies that are doing, you know, quite a bit of hiring at a number of different levels, often they get their marketing team involved and they have campaigns which show what Mm. it's like to work at the company. And I think that's super important, especially during these times when you know, there are a lot of people looking for work and maybe not the right person. Um, You want to attract people, as Nicole said, who might be passive candidates. So giving them an opportunity to see what it's like working there in their social media is great. And one other point, Harrison, you were talking about competitors. It's funny, when we hire salespeople, we always ask the question, are you interested in hiring from your competitors? Mm. A couple things to think about. Number one, they might not want to hire people from their competitors because they don't like how they've been trained. They don't like their reputation. The other thing is you have to think about non-competes and confidentiality agreements. And so that's an important aspect of recruiting salespeople is being aware of what kind of legal constraints they may have. Yeah, yeah. And the... the the social media point is interesting around kind of and I think there's a piece of the HR you know industry or HCM industry that's you know getting a little bit more attention over the last few years around employer branding I think that's kind of where you're getting to with the social media point Um, and I know one company that does this relative like really really well from what I've seen on my social feed anyway I think the company is called seamless.ai it's Mm -hmm. a sales tool basically and you know, they've, I think they've poured a lot of uh, content and effort into creating this 
um, you know, employer branding that's, you know, really well aligned with the, the type of work that they do and people that they want to attract. So that, that was something that I've seen before. Um, so that's really helpful. One other question around, you know, hiring people, salespeople specifically, thoughts on hiring salespeople from other industries, like different yeah. industries. Um, yeah. Any, any, anything interesting, anything, any learnings from there? Yeah. Um, we definitely believe that you can find great salespeople looking in different markets, possibly different industries. Uh, one great example is we hired a, a sales leader for a recycling company. And the person we found did not have any recycling experience, but he had worked with manufacturing companies. So although he was selling another product, into manufacturing companies, he already had the market. He already knew the market. He already knew who he was going to be. And in, with recycling, it's buying out of, right? So they're buying materials out of these manufacturing scraps, et cetera. Out of oh yeah, I see, yep. Right? So he already knew all the manufacturing companies that he was going to be you know, calling on. Nicole actually had a really similar example with um, a client in the metals industry this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, um, so yeah. So do you want to mention that client? Sorry. Yeah. So that was interesting because we weren't finding a lot of people in metals industry. And even the client told us, they said everyone in metals is like 30 years into their career. Like young people aren't going into the metals industry. So right. we actually looked at the chemical industry, which was going to be a similar you know, selling similar sales cycle, similar product. And, and that's how we were able to fill that position. Gotcha. Right. The other thing more, I think more important to, um, to industry and market and, and Nicole brought up this, this point before is, is sales cycle. So being able to work in a company with a similar sales cycle that you've already, you know, had at your past company, that can be sometimes more important than industry and market. Gotcha. Gotcha. Perfect. So I have one last question for you. This is probably the hardest question. Um, what is the best compensation strategy? Oh, Salary heavy. We'll let Nicole take this one. <laughs> <laughs> Salary heavy, commission heavy. Is there, is there such a thing as the best comp strategy? You know, what should people be thinking about when they're, when they're trying to create this, you know, the, the best comp, you know, that, that they can provide their salespeople? Okay, so if, at the most basic level, the best compensation strategy is going to be one that motivates your sales team. Mm -hmm. The absolute most important thing. Now, there's a lot of things to think about and consider when you're putting together a compensation plan. So you have a base salary, you yep. have quotas, you have commission, bonus, equity. You, you may or may not have all those pieces depending on the size of the company. So you have to look at all those, those different pieces. What's critical is to remain competitive in your industry and, you know, make sure that, um, that you're looking at that. So for instance, that manufacturing company that I recently worked with, they actually brought in a compensation specialist mm -hmm. because they wanted to make sure they were on par with, with the industry. Um, it's, um, you know, it's important to also consider your sales cycle. So year one compensation might look different than the second year compensation because you have to account for some ramp up time. Right. And again, are you handing this person mature accounts to manage or are they starting from scratch? And so 
that might look differently. I recently worked um, with a construction company that's headquartered out of Houston, but I actually was filling a sales position for them in Tennessee. And so what they did was they had a base salary, a commission plan, a bonus plan, but they did guarantee a, a total compensation for year one to huh. help get the person up to speed and, and really to help them in the recruitment process because an established salesperson is used to earning a right. certain income and you, you need to, to keep things consistent for them to recruit them over. <clears throat> so a few things, um, those are just a few things to look at there, but really the compensation plan needs to drive the business that needs to drive, I'm sorry, needs to drive the behavior that your business needs to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the, the, when you talk about the, the compensation structure there, you know, for, I w- I'm going to push this one more, a little bit more around like Dallas, right? I assume you work with a lot of Dallas organizations. So when you're thinking about, call it a salesperson that is, you know, call it three to five years of experience, right? Ambitious, uh, you know, high performing salesperson, in, in the Dallas area, which I'm sure the you know, geography matters too, right? And not just industry. What kind of typical compensation are you seeing uh, for that kind of uh, profile? I think this might be helpful just from a, you know, kind of broad strokes for our listeners thinking about the compensation. Mm-hmm. Well, one, definitely the market matters because yeah. Dallas is actually the number one city in terms of recovery after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have more people employed in Dallas, moving to Dallas. So that's definitely important to consider. We actually, we have a, um, a program that we use that helps us guide clients um, with salary. And it's, it's really interesting because we're able to look at the market, the industry, the years of experience. And we actually can see, we factor in the size of the company, number of employees, and we can see what the, um, you know, how many people are even available in the market. Is there a shortage for this position or is there a surplus? And then it gives us a chart on the average, what the average pay might look like. So that's something that we, we use to, to help guide our clients. Gotcha. So any ranges? That's tough because it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's very market specific, but I would say if you're recruiting someone and Nicole, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're recruiting someone with three to five years of experience, right? So they've already had some kind of strong, sorry, um, they've already had some kind of strong sales experience in an organization. You're recruiting them from that organization. I'm guessing they're already used to earning at least 75, 80,000 base. So you're probably going to be starting someone around, around there. And then from, th- from there, you're going to have to think about the variable because they're going to want to know what should they expect to earn year one, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're being a six, if they're following everything you've told them and you, they're doing their job and they're, you know, selling as much as you had established in terms of goals and metrics, where can they be year one? And so I would say somebody with three to five years of experience is probably going to be close to a hundred year one. Got it. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Got it. And this is in the Dallas area typically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think this again, is a good like data Nicole point. said, I mean, Dallas salaries are really creeping up pretty quickly. Right. And they're getting fairly close to the Northeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful just data point for our listeners to kind of calibrate wherever they are, what industry they are, what kind of yeah. profile they're looking for. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. What have you seen, Harrison, when you've hired salespeople? What are some of your challenges? Yeah, I think it really depends. I think, you know, we in the software industry in particular, there's a pretty clear cut of, you know, you've got the SDRs, right, or the business or BDRs who are kind of lead generators, outbound kind of outreach uh, profile individuals, and then who tend to be typically a little bit less experienced than Mm -hmm. your, uh, your AEs or account executives, right. And from the average kind of compensation perspective, it just really varies a lot <laughs> from what I've seen. I think, you know, when you're talking about the, uh, the more junior employees right out of school or SDRs or BDRs, yeah. you're talking, you know, anywhere between 40 to $80,000, a kind of, uh, you know, salary plus, you know, uh, uh, variable, right? Typically speaking, 80 being probably on the higher end is from what I've seen. Yeah. And then, you know, for AEs, it can go kind of all over, right? I've, I've, I've definitely heard of, you know, very high performing AEs making uh, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars at age, you know, 30, right? Doing really mm-hmm. well for, for themselves. So, and then you've got others who aren't, right? Um, so um, it really depends. But I think the biggest thing, biggest challenge for me personally that I've seen is um, really getting behind the interview and mm. your biases of being sold by a good salesperson to yep. really understand whether this person's a good fit, right? Absolutely. The skills that you need. Um, and I think, I mean, everybody has that challenge, right? I mean, it's like yep. any other interview too, right? Uh, if this, this person just shows up really well in an interview, you know, your biases kick in and you're kind of like, oh, cool. This person can probably do the job. Right. Yeah. Um, but with salespeople, I think that is probably the, probably a higher risk, especially if they're good. Right. They could, I mean, selling is their job. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, back to the interview, getting more people from the organization involved, making sure that you're comparing apples to apples. Every time right. someone comes in, are you evaluating them the same as the person who was there before? And also, <clears throat> I'm sure your organization uses behavioral interviewing and using behavioral interviewing um, in your interviews really gives you a pretty clear idea of number one, what their past experience is. And also it allows you to really dig a little deeper, you know? Yeah. So how did that go? And how did it turn out? And you know, tell me if something went wrong and, you know, so it just allows you to get some more examples um, from within the interview. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you both for your time. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? Yeah, definitely LinkedIn. They can go to Rich Results on LinkedIn or Jolene Rich on LinkedIn, our website, richresults.com. And yeah, we love hearing from our audience. We love answering questions that they may have, especially just talking to them about some of the challenges they're having finding the right people. Awesome. Perfect. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thank you both for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Harrison. Harrison.